This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming up on Studos America, Lila Rose is here with the latest on how to protect unborn children from the radical left. The Supreme Court loads another one into the chamber of gun control. And the Democrats' deep-rooted transphobia is put on open display as they openly trash Caitlyn Jenner and her political aspirations. Pretty typical for progressives. So let's do Caitlyn Jenner. Stu does America. Well, it's 2021, and we are all very excited to see some glass ceilings potentially be shattered. Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor. If she were to win, that would make her the first female governor of the state of California. Congratulations to Caitlyn. Also, it would make her the first trans governor. And here's the thing. I don't really care about either of those things. I don't care about identity politics at all. I know people like uh, David Duke and Richard Spencer and Ibram X. Kendi and Robin D'Angelo. They care about the skin color of our elected officials. But other than that tightly knit group of identitarians, I don't know if people care all that much about skin color or gender. I, for one, only care if Caitlyn Jenner would be a good governor. And if I'm being honest, I live in Texas, so I barely even care about that. So would Caitlyn Jenner be a good governor? I have no idea, but she'd probably be a lot better than Gavin Newsom. If you have a crappy governor in your state, we made these mugs up right here just for you. They say anyone else for governor. Anyone else. Well, in California, we're about to test this uh, thesis. When you say anyone else, do you mean anyone else? On the left, there are a lot of conflicted emotions here. Can we oppose a trans governor? Can we oppose a female governor? Can we oppose a Kardashian governor? All good questions. We know that when the left has someone who is trans or female or a person of color, the entirety of their critique of those who don't support them is that Republicans are phobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, skin color phobic, lady parts phobic, whatever it is. If you oppose the views of a candidate that happens to be in some sort of minority group, that just means you hate the minority group. We know how this works. The same lack of opportunity to oppose does not carry over to the Democrats themselves. Ever since Caitlyn Jenner was announced as a possible rival to the very white and very male Gavin Newsom, the opposition from the left has been uniform. All of a sudden, no one can see any positives in a trans governor, at least not this trans governor. Even trans activists see no value in Caitlyn Jenner. Here's a few tweets from Equality California. Make no mistake, we can't wait to elect a trans governor of California, but Caitlyn Jenner spent years telling the LGBTQ plus community 
to trust Donald Trump. We saw how that turned out. Now she wants us to trust her hard pass. After Trump banned transgender troops from serving in the military, attacked transgender students, and even tried to allow homeless shelters to turn away trans women, Caitlyn Jenner still hired his former inner circle to run her campaign. Californians, and trans Californians in particular, understand all too well the risk of electing another reality TV star who cares more about fame and money than, than civil rights, health care, and the safety of our communities. We can't let that happen. Governor Gavin Newsom is a pro-equality champion who has spent his career fighting for LGBTQ plus civil rights and social justice. He's been there for us time and time again. Now it's time to be there for him. Stop the recall. Now, again, if the shoe was on the other foot, we would have all sorts of accusations about this. They're demeaning the candidacy of Caitlyn Jenner. They're just trashing her as some reality star. Why? Is it because she's transphobic? Oh, no, 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 no. She's a Republican, so this makes it okay. Esquire had the headline, Caitlyn Jenner's campaign provides cover for the GOP's hateful anti-trans legislation. So Caitlyn Jenner is just a tool for the Republicans not her own person, not her own candidate, not her own person with her own particular view set. No, no, just a tool of Republicans so they can cover their anti-trans uh, legislation. Alyssa Milano, of course, chimed in. We are all looking for it. With all due respect, Caitlin, you are running as a Republican. Republicans deny your existence and are trying to erase trans youth. Hell no. Really? Are they trying to erase trans youth? You don't think Caitlyn Jenner would have a position on that? Maybe think that was a bad idea, but apparently uh, Alyssa Milano knows better. Maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know how. Uh, son of Anarchy himself, Ron Perlman, said, Well done, Caitlyn Jenner. Ru running for governor wins you the one medal you never got. Stupidest MFR on earth. Whoa, what a burn. But burn, as they say. Running as a Trump Republican and entering a world that hates you. Hmm. Uber liberal actress Rosanna Arquette said, I would love a trans, see, they all would love a trans governor in California, but not a Republican one. No thank you to Caitlyn Jenner. You have to love Rosanna Ar uh, Arquette for saying the quiet part out loud there, admitting that the only reason they are having this opinion is because of party, because party trumps all this stuff. Uh, as much as I hate to mention the name Kathy Griffin on this particular program, she chimed in as well. Caitlin driving a car was not the best choice for her official campaign photo, RIP Kim Howe. Now, if you don't know the backstory here, this is hilarious because Jenner got into a car accident at one point and a woman wound up dying. So the real hilarity sort of forms from mocking her death for political gain. Sunny Hassan of View fame or I mean, I've actually never heard of her before, but she had this to say last week. I think we've had enough of uh, reality stars uh, running, um, you know, uh, for for uh, positions, um, mm. running our government. Uh, it didn't really work out so well for the past four years. Oh, okay. um, the fact that Caitlyn Jenner was supportive of uh, our uh, disgraced, uh, twice impeached, uh, one-term uh, president until uh, her community um, was uh, attacked and not supported by, by that president is very telling, I think. I have to be honest with you uh, about that clip. Um, I consider myself someone who takes in a lot of news and culture. 
I have never seen that person before in my life. Has she been on The View for, is she on The View normally? Been on The View for a while? What is the, at least I don't remember ever seeing her before. So I don't know if that's inconsistent or consistent with her past opinions. Bill Maher has found himself on the receiving end of some backlash for this bit over the weekend. How about this for news? Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me my, finish my whole monologue on this and maybe, maybe I'll take that one back. I, no, I know you think of her as a reality show star, but come on, people change. Uh, she is trans rested and ready. I mean, she's got... <laughs> got a great slogan, take the sack out of Sacramento, <laughs> because um, she, <laughs> because, you know, this is only happening because our governor, there's a recall, which is stupid, but we're probably going to do it because in California we do stupid things like that. But Caitlyn Jenner is a very dyed-in-the-wool, lifelong Republican. Uh, I, I love that about her. You know, wasn't always sure about the whole man-woman thing. <laughs> But low capital gains taxes born that way. Is that okay? I, I, I guess I guess it is now. I mean, Caitlyn Jenner's Republican, so probably okay. Perhaps most personal and painful of all was this page six headline. Kardashians won't campaign for Caitlyn Jenner's California gubernatorial run. Ah, first Kim doesn't support Kanye's run for president, and now this. It's almost as if reality shows are not the best path to family harmony. The point here is that we all understand why the left won't embrace the candidacy of Caitlyn Jenner. Because Caitlyn Jenner wants lower taxes and less regulation. Caitlyn Jenner wants people to at least be able to keep a little bit of their money. And no matter what your reproductive organs look like, that's a bridge too far for the left. Forget glass ceilings. Forget the first trans governor. Forget the fact that if Caitlyn Jenner did win the Republican governorship, it would go a long way to advance what their goal supposedly is. If you really believe Republicans hate trans people so much, and what you want is for society to accept trans people more broadly, what better way to accomplish that than a high-profile trans Republican in office. We're also told that Republicans hate gay people, but look at how much Republicans love Richard Grinnell. We're told that Republicans hate black people, but Republicans will run to embrace almost any African-American who will embrace any of their ideas. This is because identity politics aren't real. Republicans like other Republicans because their policies are similar. It has nothing to do with race, or gender, or anything else. The announcement of Caitlyn Jenner just proves this. Democrats use the politics of separation against Republicans when it benefits them, not because it's true. And their opposition to Jenner is actually the way this is supposed to work. You're supposed to be able to oppose a politician when they have ideas and policies you don't support. The problem is the left fraudulently accuses the right of only opposing people of color or trans people or whatever the group du jour is because they're a member of that group. They know it's not true, but they say it anyway in hopes that the media will echo it. And guess what? They do. I'm not asking for Democrats to support Caitlyn Jenner or anyone else. All I'm asking is, 
Can we have the opportunity to not like someone based on their views? Can we have that too? If we think their views suck, can we say so without being called a racist or a homophobe or a transphobe or a phobe phobe? Do we get afforded that opportunity? Because as Glenn Beck has asked on many occasions, why would you hate people because of the color of their skin or sexual orientation or gender when you can get to know them and learn to hate them for far more legitimate reasons? I'm so happy to welcome to the studio the author of Fighting for Life, Becoming a Force for Change in a Wounded World, as well as the host of the Lila Rose Show uh, podcast, of course, available wherever you get your podcast. Conveniently, the host of the Lila Rose Show is also Lila Rose. Correct. Which makes things much easier for people to remember. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so I was thinking about this when when we, when we I heard you were coming on. And I, was, mm-hmm. I, I, I love having you on. And the reason I think is because when I think of you, I think fearless. I feel I think of someone who just doesn't care what people <laughs> say about them, doesn't care what opposition is though is in the way. Your fighting for life has been really dynamic over the past few years. And the book seems to kind of kind of go into that idea of how you too can kind of do these sorts of things. Yeah. Is that why you wrote it? Yes, exactly. And you know, becoming fearless there's a lot of fear before you become fearless. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a process. And for me, you know, I started live action, my pro-life organization. Now we're reaching millions of people each week with pro-life content, changing hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. And when I started it as a teenager, I had tons of, you know, obstacles, self-doubt in college, starting to do investigative reporting, you know, had things that I would have to struggle through. So the message of my book and I would the message for anyone is you don't start arrived you know like right. you see other people who are, might be activists or doing stuff and you're like oh i i want to get pumped and do that we all start somewhere and for me it was starting with like a couple friends in my parents living room and you know being like hey we're gonna go pray outside the abortion clinic it didn't start with we're going undercover you know we're yeah. gonna go debate on tv it it starts small and we all have to start somewhere and i hope that we all get in the fight because the pro-life battle needs everyone i mean there's 2,363 children killed daily in America. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's horrific. So we all have a role to play and um, we all got to start somewhere. How, how, you say you started, you know, as a teenager. How did yep. that, I mean, that seems completely out of place for the American experience right now. How did you, how did, how did this hit you? Why, yeah. did, why did you do this? Yeah, and, and what's cool is we see a lot more teens getting involved in the pro-life movement actually, like Gen Z, mm. We have, uh, I think, over 400,000 followers now on TikTok, lots of TikTokers who are hmm. pushing back and are pro-life. A lot of millennials are pro-life. But when I was starting, you know, I didn't know that many other pro-lifers. Um, there was no pro-life student group in my town, San Jose, California. I grew up in like the heart of liberal leftism, whatever right. you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I found out about abortion. I'm from a big pro-life family, so I'm one of eight kids pro-life parents <laughs> yeah. right there yeah. and uh, very, was like, very pro-life, very, very pro-life. <laughs> yeah. they didn't need to be activists they were living it but I when I was around nine I actually came across this uh, information in my parents house this book that they had that had details about abortion it included actually imagery of abortion victims in it hmm. and you see for the first time and for me many of us have had this encounter where we actually see the abortion victim because abortion is talked about in terms of choice, right? Women's empowerment, mm-hmm. reproductive health, all of these um, really false words. But when you actually look at what abortion does, it's the dismemberment, 
the, the yeah. poisoning to death of an innocent growing child. So when I saw this image of a 10 week old embryo, just you know, newly formed arms, legs, a tiny newly mm. formed face that had been torn apart by a suction first trimester abortion, I was just cut to the heart. I thought, is this real? Is this really happening? And I wanted to learn more. And as I got older and started to study the issue more and, and learned about other social justice, you know, human rights issues, yeah. I was like this, I kept coming back to abortion because it's the greatest death toll. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else globally, 125,000 deaths a day to abortion. Number one cause of death. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, every, sometimes we come in here and, I, and we're doing a show and, and we do a segment on, on life. And I think to myself, really, I could morally justify just doing that topic. Yes. The only topic absolutely. I ever do. Yes. You know, tax yes. rates. Yes, I want lower tax rates. Yes. But like tax rates are nothing compared to this. Yes. This is the biggest story in the world. And it will be until it stops. Yes, exactly. And I had I was given the gift of that realization at a very young age. Mm. And I was interested in other issues, you know, political, social, cultural issues. And I wanted to, you know, I was very kind of activistic teen. I wanted to do yeah. something with my life, but I kept coming back to abortion, even though there wasn't really a crusade around it. I mean, you look at all these kind of social justice issues that are popularized by media mm -hmm. today, like police brutality or immigration sure. or, you know, you know, standing up against, you know, getting your COVID shots now, like a, a sign of yeah. you know, fighting for your community, <laughs> all these things. But when do you see fighting for children Preborn children, as you know, the message from schools or media that this is the thing to do. They they actually go the opposite way, right? They say yeah. you should have abortions. They're actually you, the the right to abort is in you know in, in it's the humane essential, side of the argument essential, essential for women. Yeah. So thankfully, I had the the clarity, the the moral clarity at a young age, which is a gift. Um, and I thought, okay, this is the fight. This is the fight of the life of my lifetime, and I'm going to give it all, whatever I've got. Especially, I mean, you, you talk about getting it as a gift. I mean, especially where you were. I mean, yeah. being in California, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, inc that's incredible. It's true. Um, yeah. My wife worked at a, uh, she worked at a, uh, she volunteered at a hospital where they had preemies. Mm. And she's always been pro-life. But I think that hit her yeah. more than anyone else. A friend of mine just had a baby at, I think, 24, 25 weeks. And he, you know, he was bragging to me the other day that, you know, the baby uh, gained a pound. And now he's up to three pounds. And it's like that, it blows my mind. Like living. Yeah. Like and yeah. Can fit in the palm of your hand. Incredible. Yeah. And like, it, I, you know, as my wife said, like, once you're there and mm -hmm. you see a baby who's alive and that small, it's impossible to go the other way. Mm -hmm. You mentioned seeing pictures of sort of the aftermath. Mm -hmm. Is that the, the the tactic that wins most people mm. over? Is that really just just the the sheer almost shock value yeah, of it? It's a really good question, and we've explored that a lot in the last over a decade. Just mm. what is the most powerful way to educate people and wake them up on this? Because people are so numb or desensitized. Yeah, and it is a couple things. First of all, awakening them to the victim, the child. Um, sometimes that's vict imagery of abortion victims actually seeing, you know, a 10 week old embryo destroyed by a suction abortion. Mm. But it's also we found incredibly powerful our abortion procedure videos, which are medical animations of the abortion procedure. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it starts with a living, moving child in the womb, you know, maybe 10 weeks old or second trimester. And it's the most prevalent abortion procedures used on them in America. And we have a former abortionist narrating, explaining what happens. And yeah. so you see the process. And it's not gory, they're animations, animations but right. it's still incredibly horrific because you're watching this human, you can tell it's a life. I mean, it's, it's 
the heart's beating at 21 and a half days. It's crazy how quickly the baby grows. You can see the limbs of the child and the, the facial structure of the child by seven weeks. It's crazy. Um, and so these procedure videos, you can actually see what these a powerful abortion procedures do to destroy, dismember, decapitate that human being. And most people, we've had pro-choice people watch them and we test, we do studies. Sure. And they say, this changed my mind on abortion because I, I never thought about it from the perspective of the of a human life. Yeah. You know, that, that the child has been erased from the conversation. Yeah, right? it really is. I mean, it becomes often a, a, a conversation about women's rights. Right. And it's like, Which well, just so infuriating. It, as a woman, I, 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 just, I feel the same way because it's like, look, as a woman, you're infuriated. As, as a woman, um, you know, yeah. it's like if 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 it wasn't life, we would all of agree. Course. Do whatever you want. We of don't care. Course. And like, I, you know, if, if God came down today and said, mm -hmm. yeah, by the way, guys, uh, I know you're really passionate about this, but I got to tell you, it's not life until it comes out. Like if they. OK, I guess I guess I was wrong. Right. I wouldn't care. <laughs> Just like I don't care if a woman gets a, you know, a, 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 some sort of growth removed mm -hmm. in a surgery. Right? right. Right. On the other hand, like you'd think that if somehow uh, the left could be convinced that this was life, which I can't understand how you don't see it that way, but they'd also have to agree. You know, if, if, a, if a baby is born and, and someone were to kill it, everyone would recognize right. it as murder, but yet 30 minutes earlier, for some reason, it's this- it's Magically, it's, it's not a baby. It's yeah. I, I mean, it really is insane. And, and the, 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 the terminology of pro-choice mm -hmm is is the most brilliant and evil sort of spin i think in history it's, it's a it's, lie it's totally a lie yeah it's a lie especially because you know i've interviewed countless women live action does studies and you know interviews and reports and women who get abortions they're not walking in like choice my power right they're walking in because they usually feel they have no other choice mm. And that's because they're being pressured often you know many the the majority of women who are having abortions girls are feeling, different studies have been done, feeling pressured going into that procedure because they think that their boyfriend or their husband or their parents or their teachers or someone is going to be upset with them. 30% yeah. are afraid that their significant other will actually just leave them. They've been, they've been given an ultimatum. Uh, many are financially stressed. I mean, these are the solutions we have to solve for when I mean, we have to find solutions for them instead of saying, go kill your child. Mm -hmm. And that's what our society is saying. And the, and the women's rights thing infuriates me because I'm a woman. You know? yeah. <laughs> I believe in <laughs> fighting for equal rights, you know, men and women women have sure. equal rights under the law. Um, but we've secured a lot of them as women. I mean, think about what we've done to progress as women in the West. Mm -hmm. We have been given so much. We actually, more women graduate college now than men. But what are we doing with all these newfound freedoms because of our feminist forebears, you know, all the fighting that the early feminists did to, you know, procure our right to vote, all sure. these things. We're using them to go advocate for abortion, to go and kill our children and stomp on their rights. It just is a, um, it's, it's selfishness. It seems it's, to, it's cruelty. to be the top of the mountain for the left too. Like they, it, no matter what, they, they will defend that, that right to choose almost over anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I'm shocked by that. You, you started this organization, with, as you point out, like with the idea of that this was wrong, but you guys have done incredible work mm -hmm. to make people aware, including going into like, in, you know, real investigations, real journalism. Mm -hmm. um, why did you decide to go that way? Well, a couple of factors. I mean, going in, when I got to college, so I was a student, right? Mm -hmm. High school student doing this pro-life work, doing presentations at churches primarily. And then I get to college, I went to UCLA and I was like, okay, 
how do I spread the pro-life message here? And I just realized there was this complete um, lockdown on people's minds by media and by academia. Mm. I mean, lying to people, not even educating, of course not educating them on abortion or just presenting it as a positive. And so that's what inspired me to start independent reporting to expose what was happening. Um, met James O'Keefe in college. He was fresh out of oh. college himself. And mm -hmm. I was a student at the time and he was working for the Leadership Institute. He had a, um, a training that he was doing on, you know, starting your own magazine on campus, which I did. And then he and I were discussing it and he's like, okay, I was like sharing everything I'd researched about the industry, the abortion industry and all of these abuses. And he's like, why don't you, you know, you're starting your magazine. Why don't you go and do your own reports like you're talking about? Mm. And I was like, yeah, why don't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> so that was the onset, the, the ignition point. And um, after my first two investigations in Planned Parenthood facilities in Los Angeles, we documented, I, you know, I went undercover posing as an underage girl and saying that I, you know, had a much older boyfriend. This should trigger statutory rape reporting laws sure. in the state of California. But instead of reporting the abuse as they were required by law, mm -hmm. the Planned Parenthood abortion clinic said, we are not going to tell anyone. We're going to give you a secret abortion. And so that was my first report. And when that report ended up going viral, um, you know, at first it was like 100 views on YouTube. We filmed it. My my, my refresh yeah. of the page, you know, my <laughs> mom's refresh of the page up in, you know, down, up in San Jose. But then blogs started to pick it up. And mm -hmm. then when Planned Parenthood threatened to sue me for that initial report, that's when more national news took notice of the reporting. And then after that, I realized, OK, even if Planned Parenthood tries to silence this sort of reporting, people are noticing hmm. in, a and big way. in a big way. So we began to really strategize and we launched live action news, began doing more you know, formal training, started to better understand the larger dynamic of what's happening in America's abortion industry and just started to expose all kinds of abuses. Uh, let me, you, you mentioned James O'Keefe and I know you've had issues with this as mm -hmm. well where these tech companies yeah. are saying to you, hey, your message maybe is working a little too well mm -hmm. and people can't hear it anymore. Uh, this is a real challenge mm -hmm. uh, for uh, for this movement because, I mean, I remember, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, I, I think specifically, one of your animated videos was being blocked and banned from certain social media sites because it was too disturbing. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You guys are supporting this procedure, and now when you just see an animation without any, you know, blood or gore or anything, just an animation of it, that's too far. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that tell you something about your opinion? Well, I mean, Twitter allows Planned Parenthood to advertise on their platform. Mm -hmm. We're banned because we're addressing abortion. But Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion chain, can freely advertise, but because we address abortion, it's taboo. It's I mean, incredible. that's just an example. Mm -hmm. You know, Pinterest, I don't know if you're, yeah. you're a Pinterester, <laughs> but um, you know, the image sharing website, we're completely banned. We're completely banned. Abortion clinics can actually put advertisements on Pinterest. So there's crazy double standards. This was long before Trump got yeah. booted. Yeah. I mean, this has been going on for years. For a long time. So it's interesting, your book is, because I feel really passionately about this issue. I mean, again, as I said, it's the most important one in the world. Um, but I am not an activist. Like, I am not. I can sit here and blab about stuff all day, but I, to get me off the couch is, is very there's difficult. There's some activism to that. Yeah, well, yeah, a you're, you're putting your skin in the game. But, but you talk about how any average person can, can make this change mm -hmm. for something they feel passionately about. Yes. What's the most important thing that they need to know? 
Yes, that's a great question. So there'd be a couple things I would start with. And I have 27 mini lessons in the mm. book, um, both for interior and external change and how we can make that. So these are all lessons that I've learned or am learning um, in growing live action over the last decade. But two things that I will say is, first of all, just start. I mean, it could be as simple for you, Stu, if you chose to go outside of Planned Parenthood and just pray for 30 minutes. You don't have to say anything, do mm -hmm. anything. You just stand there and pray. We have had people do that. Women drive, they see someone praying peacefully, and they keep driving. And they skip their abortion appointment because they were praying to God, give really? me a sign to not do this. Hmm. And you might be that sign. Hmm. So activism can be as simple as standing up physically, folding your hands, and prayer for 30 minutes outside a clinic. Um, so just starting is the key. And you've already started. I mean, you're talking about it on your show, you know. So that's, um, that's awesome. And it, it might be just starting talking to a friend that you've been afraid to talk to about this or a family member, sharing something on social media, showing up at a pro-life um, meeting, going to your pregnancy center. There's lots of them here in Dallas. They're all over the country mm -hmm. and saying, I'm here to volunteer. What can I do to help you? Yeah. You know, calling them up. Mm -hmm. There's lots of ways, but the key is just start. Don't overcomplicate. You know, it can be something simple. Um, and one other thing I would say is leave your comfort zone. Uh, you right. know, to make a change in a world that needs it, where it is just entrenched, abortion's entrenched. It's going to take everyday people like us to just stand up and say, okay, I'm not going to, we're not going to stand for it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that'll look different for each of us. Yeah. But it requires sometimes being uncomfortable and lean into that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, lean into that discomfort. Um, one more before before I let you go. Um, it, it's interesting as you kind of go through this process that, and I, I see this a lot on conservative media in particular, and that's, you know, something I, I deal with all the time. <laughs> and that, like, there's two ways to approach something. Sometimes I feel like conservative media is preaching to the choir too often. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, you know, I might be running my mouth about whatever topic, but it's not going to actually convert someone. It's not going to have, it's not, there's not a, it's not real. Sometimes there's not an effort to actually persuade. Mm -hmm. What is what's the best way to persuade? Mm -hmm. Because is is it should you be the person who's you know um, you know driving around with the truck with the with the fetus on the side? Mm -hmm. Should you be the person who's just praying quietly? What's what's yeah. the best way, or is it different for everybody? Yeah, I think it's different for everyone. There's not one magic bullet for persuasion, but there's a few key principles, and I do talk about this in the book too. Mm -hmm. One of them is to expose the evil. I mean, be able to talk. You don't have to be cruel about it or mean about it mm -hmm. or abrasive about it, but talk straight in a straightforward way about what abortion is. Share the facts. Sometimes it's a simple sharing the facts with someone that begins to give them another perspective that opens their mind. I know our videos, pro-choice people watch them all the time. We, we you know, design them to be watched by the opposing side sure, or sure. people in the middle. And they're just, most of them are just shocked. They, had, they didn't know. They didn't know. Um, but one other thing I'll also say is, um, you know, sometimes the labels can be offensive, you know, like left versus right, yeah. you know, red versus blue, us versus them. So instead of like seeing the person as, you know, your political enemy and you're out to own the libs, you sure, know, yeah, or whatever, yeah, right, yeah. which again, you know, I see there's, there's in media, yeah. you can you have your kind of thing. But yeah. um, instead, it's like, you know, this is a person that as a, a person of goodwill, I'm going to assume that the best of you and let's have an honest conversation. I'm going to be respectful and kind and polite and believe what's best of you. And I hope you do the same for me. And mm. um, let's talk if you're willing to talk. And so having that approach of respect, um, civility, yeah. you know, long yeah. lost civility, I think does go a long way. Yeah, because I think a lot of times but it it's comes, rare today. Yeah, it's hard. And, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes it comes off from conservatives 
to women who might be thinking about this or mm-hmm. may have had an abortion in the past or whatever as they're the enemy. Right, we're not better than you. Right. I think right. that's key. And yeah. I, I I say that, I mean, in the book, I share some of my darkest secrets or just things that I've wrestled with personally, my mm-hmm. mistakes, because, you know, my my job is not to be holier than thou. I'm I'm telling you what it is, you know, right. like it is. I'm flawed as anyone. I have my own struggles as anyone, but I have this truth that can save lives, that I know can save lives, that I owe to you because mm-hmm. I was given it. And so having that posture of humility, I think, is key as well. That's great. And really important stuff. The book is Fighting for Life, Becoming a Force for Change in a Wounded World. It's by Lila Rose, of course, live action and does so much great work. It's such an important topic, too. Uh, And does this work for just life issues or does this work for any issue? Any issue. So whatever your Just cause, hopefully the left whatever. doesn't pick it up and get really good at activism. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot about <laughs> interior work there that no okay. matter what side you're on, I hope you're benefited. Good. But it's, yeah, no matter your cause, we're all caused, called to stand up and fight. So. That's great. Lila, thanks so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. Doing this. Thanks for having me. Okay, back in a second. Thank you for making it halfway through my stupid little show and helping me do America. We're co-doing just great. And if you like my stuff and want to follow along as we try to do America, why not subscribe to me on Instagram? Just head to my page at Stu Does America. Give me a follow and then hit up that link in the bio to find everywhere you can watch and share the show completely free or simplify the whole process and become a Blaze TV subscriber. Head to blazetv.com slash and enter the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Uh, the EU is uh, set to let vaccinated U.S. tourists visit this summer. Wow. Thank you so much, EU. What a glorious thank you so much. I mean, there's part of me that says, hey, it's, at least we're kind of getting back to normal in some ways. But there's another part of me that says, no. No, no, EU, you don't tell us when we can come visit you. We tell you when you can come visit us. That's how this works. Did you miss the last couple hundred years? We tell you where we go. When we want to go there, we'll go there. If we don't want you to come here, you don't come here. That's how this works. Understand the dynamics of this relationship and everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Uh, Greg Gutfeld has, uh, was on a show the other day and kind of went after his own network. A little bit. Uh, and I, I like this moment because, you know, it's him kind of, you know, it's just him saying, screw it. Like, this is obvious to everybody, right? And it is obvious to everybody. He says on, it was on Thursday uh, last week on the five. He was talking about the uh, current COVID-19 safety protocols of Fox News. He said, uh, this is an indoor illness, not an outdoor illness. And then he said, uh, and I will say this and then I'll shut up. We are hypocrites when we're giving our own advice on this because all of us, I believe, have been vaccinated. Some of us have had, have had COVID and been vaccinated, which essentially makes you a superhuman, which is, I, I agree with that analysis. Lecturing people on the science while we are sitting in our isolated boxes, is it really correct? I think it's like we have to send a message. I mean, what message are we sending by being separate right now? I think it's time to return to the studio and start seeing each other, looking at each other in the eye when we're talking, so we know we're not interrupting each other, so we can actually, I feel like every day we're in a batting cage, and I would rather like to be passing the ball around and weigh the benefits and the risks. Let's get back to the studio. There's no science here. We have the vaccines and we have rapid testing. There's no reason for us to be doing this all the time unless it's legal BS, which the case is, for, is the case for everything in life. We're controlled by lawyers. Sorry. I mean, it is true. You see this all the time. I mean, Joe Biden was on a virtual call the other day with a bunch of world leaders wearing a mask. Now, first of all, you can't pass COVID-19 through Zoom. 
which is not a thing. And secondly, you know, the man has been vaccinated here. We know the odds of you passing the virus when you've been vaccinated are almost none. The odds of you getting it if you've been vaccinated are almost none. It's very, very low, especially after the time, after a couple of weeks after your second shot. It's incredibly low. And like, we're not going to completely eliminate risk of COVID in our lifetime. Think about this for a second. I mean, in our lifetime might be a little bit long, but I don't know. I mean, when I think about it this way, you have, think of what's going on right now in India. India, they're, they're doing a BYOO process in India right now. Don't come to the hospital unless you can bring your own oxygen. They're, they're literally calling patients and saying, if you can bring oxygen, you can come. But honestly, if you can't, sorry. Hundreds of thousands of people every day are getting COVID. Record amount for any daily, um, uh, any daily total in any country in the world since this began. Now, it's a big country, so you'd expect the numbers to be high, but they believe they're undercounting the amount of cases by two to five times. Millions and millions of new people every day are getting COVID there. Now, think about this. Think about Israel for a second, who has all but eliminated the virus um, because of the vaccines. At least it seems that way. Uh, we'll have to we'll, we'll see over time whether they have more flare ups. But at this point, they're basically at zero. Uh, and how do they maintain that forever, though? I mean, you're going to have people coming in. I mean, now, look, Israel is pretty tough on the borders, but are we? Let's say we knock this out 60, 70 percent vaccine rate and we get the, the, the rate of the virus down low. Yeah, it might not spread as widely as it could before. But if we keep letting a border open, which has Mexico, who's done almost nothing to stop the virus and places like Brazil and Guatemala and Colombia and Uruguay and everything else that's south of us have had terrible problems. How are we going to stop it? I don't think we are. I think that's the that's the issue. Unless, of course, we come up with really catchy ways to make people pay attention to all those safety guidelines like double and triple and quadruple masking at all times, even when outdoors, even when in wind tunnels. It's important to quadruple mask. And that's why this guy came up with this song. Dr. Fauci. Oh my. Give us vaccines. Help all the people who have been quarantined. We'll wear our masks and we'll have to stay distant. We'll wash our hands and we'll be more resistant. Fauci. Yes. Promise us, please. Oh my God. We'll have a cure that can fight off this disease. Restrictions will lift with some ease. Oh. Dr. Fauci, don't forget me. I don't know. Look, uh, as a friend of mine pointed out earlier today, um, normally not big fans of masks, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this, this young man you know, can benefit from the fact that he sang that song while wearing a mask and no one knows what he looks like. It's the one time we know masks work. Back in a second. So what's your credit score? If you said it's less than eight, that's really bad. Not 800, but just eight. If it's like if your credit score is like six, that's terrible. Okay. Uh, wouldn't you like to add some points to that credit score? What if they were yours to have? I mean, it's 
pretty much the typical American is in this uh, position. 97 points they can add to their credit score. They don't know how to get them, though, of course. Scoremaster, though, has created a company, and they've re-engineered, uh, reverse-engineered the algorithms that these credit uh, systems use. They know exactly how they work, and they can help you get those points. Those points are yours. They're yours. Why don't you have them? Well, I mean, the average ScoreMaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. Say your credit score was in the 500s to the mid-600s when you bought a new car. If you had gone to ScoreMaster first and raised your credit score before you went through the loan process, you could be saving nine grand on the car loan, $9,000. What about a house? I mean, it's even more than that. You could save almost a hundred grand over the life of an average house. ScoreMaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks. You can enroll in minutes and see how many plus points uh, ScoreMaster can add to your credit score. Visit scoremaster.com slash stew, scoremaster.com slash stew. Don't forget the address, the slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Scoremaster.com slash stew. The Supreme Court is going to take up a new Second Amendment case. Uh, This has been kind of signaled for a while, as Justice Thomas pointed out, like, hey, this is a disfavored right in this court. I mean, no one seems to care about it. It's not on equal ground with other rights. Why is that? Justice Kavanaugh said we want to take up a a new case on this uh, issue soon. Hopefully this will lock in uh, the rights that have been locked in since the beginning of the nation, but have been ignored largely. Um, I love the spin from the media on this one. Biden's 100 day approval rating is better than Trump's, uh, but third worst since Truman. <laughs> I love that. That is fantastic spin. That is uh, chef's kiss right there. Uh, yeah, you know, sure. It's like the third worst. But who is who is worse than him? Donald Trump. Of course, as they point out in the headline, and Gerald Ford right after, right as he was uh, pardoning Nixon. So I don't know if we should get that excited about Joe Biden. Uh, and finally, this story is not making a lot of news, but it should. Um, the New York Times got information that a high ranking official in the Obama administration tipped off Iran to Israel's covert actions. That came up in paragraph 21 of a 26-paragraph story, notes Ed Morrissey from Hot Air. Leaked audio recording of uh, Iranian Foreign foreign Minister uh, reveals that John Kerry revealed that information uh, to Tehran, presumably during the negotiations for the deal with Iran over its nuclear weapons development. Uh, This is pretty crazy. I mean, Israel is an ally of us. The fact that Kerry is telling Iran about what Israel's doing behind the scenes to keep their country safe is incomprehensible to do that to an ally. It's almost as if the Obama administration didn't treat Israel as an ally and treated Iran as an ally, which is insane. But it does kind of seem like that's the way that thing worked. We'll have more as we uh, find out more. I have to have to imagine uh, at least the conservatives in the world are not not done digging on this one. Back in a second. Thank you for making it to the end of the show. You're part of the Cool Kids Club. This is where the cool kids kind of hang out. Only cool people last to the end of the show. Uh, make sure to uh, join me on Instagram. You can sign up there and uh, get all the links in the bio to get all the stuff that we have and talk about on the show. And don't forget, our Nancy Pelosi Sucks pens are still in stock. You can pick one up whenever you want. It's a replica of her actual impeachment pen with uh, her signature. It says Nancy Pelosi, and then just has the word in the same handwriting, sucks. It's very simple. Um, people love them, though. So Nancy Pelosi sucks. People love when they pick it up and their liberal friend is writing with it. And they don't even know what it is. It's fantastic. Let me give this story before we leave. Takashi Migawa. He's 39. 
He gave different dates for his birthday to each of his potential partners after claiming he wanted a serious relationship. The women eventually realized his scam and formed a victim's association before going to police in February. 35 women he did this to. 35. Uh, he told a 47-year-old woman his birthday was on the 22nd of February. A 40-year-old woman that it was in July. A 35-year-old woman it was in April. Uh, it's pretty impressive uh, if if you ask me, um, he is uh, said to receive cards and presents totaling 100,000 yen, which is, I think, 668 pounds. But that means, including a 200 pound suit. Now, he wasn't, he doesn't weigh 200 pounds, but it costs 200 pounds, which means that 34 women gave him combined presents of only 468 pounds. Pretty close to dollars. I mean, that's pretty cheap. It seems a little bit intense for the police to involve themselves in this, though. I mean, I know things are different in Japan, but you know what's going to happen to this guy when his 35 girlfriends find out about each other anyway? He's going to be scraping them off the walls.